You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of Girls on the Grid. My name is... We're nearly there, we're nearly at episode 20, that's the big one. The big one. Wait, hang on, what was I saying? My name's Priya. <laughs> My name's Tanea. Really? And we're sitting next to each other. We're actually in person. It's so I'm much not... fun to do podcasts I'm in person. S- I'm slapping you again. I'm not going to hit you how hard I hit you last time. I know, you actually, (laughs) I copped it last time. No, but we're in person again. I think this is our third one that we've actually done in person. It's so much easier, isn't it? So much easier. So much easier without my internet issues. We're actually here using today's good Wi-Fi. Exactly. So So this is our podcast, if you've never been here before. It's called Girls on the Grid. And this is our introduction. And after this introduction, we will talk to a very special guest in Romy Mayer. She is an engineer, race engineer at Triple Eight Race Engineering. She works across their Super 2 program, uh, their GT program, and she will also front up the wild card with Jess Dane as team manager, Romy Mayer as race engineer, and how good is that for the girls? That's awesome. Yeah, Romy's a really cool chick, and she's done a lot overseas as well. She's got quite an interesting background too. Um, and she's still aiming really high now, which is uh, really awesome to hear. And We also covered off an interesting topic that we haven't actually touched on with any of our other guests, which is talking about uh, the sacrifices or the, you know, the balance that women have to go through when they choose to have children. So that was really awesome to explore because it's it's a real issue. It's something that, you know, we'll, most of us will face in our career at some point. So to you know discuss that with someone who's been there done that and now has a little bit over a one-year-old I think she said yeah just really cool to explore topics that you know that we don't really always think about every day so that's that chat but right now p-dog what's been going on this week um this week's been weird I've actually been sick this gross week. I feel like stay I, away from me no everyone's sick at the moment There's I'm not like... sick because I take my vitamins I'm not I'm not like I'm not sick as in I've caught something I just have Weird stuff going on. I was meant to go to Sydney. People don't and want I to know about this. Yeah, they do. Everyone wants to hear about the lump in my neck. Anyways, my week. <laughs> uh, I've actually been building us a Girls on the Grid website. Should we talk about this in episode 20? No, we should talk about it now. I'm not going to release it. Right. still got yonks of, yonks of work to go on it. But that's exciting because, you know, mm. Girls on the Grid and stuff. And it looks awesome. It looks so cool. Thanks. She's done a good job. I do. This is my day job, but thank you. And that's about it. It's been a weekend off. We actually went to Winton last week for the Richie Stenaway, Greg Murphy wildcard test. So hey, that's what I did. That? Yeah, it was cool. It's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Back out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, um, we did a couple of video pieces for him and he was like, look, I don't really know what I'm doing here. But we'll just have a go and see where it ends up. That was pretty much the general consensus of how he was feeling about the whole thing. It's almost a bit foreign to him again. But then, like, after the test day, he was like, yeah, we're back. There we go. That's good. (laughs) So that's cool. That was really cool for him to shake off the the bit of the nerves, I guess. Like, yeah, he he actually really seemed nervous. So it's a long weekend in Victoria. We've got the day off. And you guys are going to be treated to an episode of Girls on the Grid. All right. We have a habit of talking too much when we're together. But let's just jump straight into the chat with Romy Mayer from Triple Eight. Yeah, let's go.
And it is an absolute honour to have Romy Mayer join us for this week's Girls on the Grid podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Romy, you are a race engineer currently for Triple Eight Race Engineering, which is a big team here in Australia. You've worked in supercars, Australian GT, Super 2, DTM, and you're also a Girls on Track ambassador. Uh, what's your story and what started your love for motorsport? Oh, yeah. So, well, let's start with the story and the love of the motorsport comes through the story, I think. Um, so, yeah, as you can probably hear my accent, I'm originally from Germany. Um, I grew up uh, in, yeah, in south of Germany. It's um, an area where there's a lot of um, automotive, automotive industry. Uh, all the big um, German car manufacturers are based there. But... Um, no one really in my family has any direct connection to motorsport or even the, the automotive industry. Um, so that only came um, through my whole journey of my education and internship. So basically when I finished high school, I didn't even know really what I, what I want to do, um, which I knew I want to go to uni, but I had actually no idea which direction to go. I first thought I want to, um, yeah, because I always like to travel, so I wanted to do something with, um, yeah, tourism or anything, but um, my grades or my, what I knew what I was good at in, in um, school was um, science related, like math and physics. I found it interesting and, and it was easy for me as well. So it was actually my dad who pushed me a little bit in the direction of engineering. I still didn't start to study mechanical engineering straight away because I found it, I felt like it's just this um, huge world full of machines, dirty environment, only men working there. So I could not see myself um, in there or couldn't imagine that there is a, would be an interesting job where I would see myself working. So um, I started to study uh, industrial engineering, which is um, a kind of a combination of management and engineering and which usually you will find yourself in roles like um, technical purchasing or controlling or yeah, project management in, in um, one of the big um, in one of the big uh, or in any kind of industry. But I kind of knew it by then that I wanted to um, dive into the automotive industry. It, it, was pretty attractive working on on new cars or developing new cars and and as it's so close and so present in the area where I lived I felt that what was where I wanted to be um, and then only after my first internship so in Germany we do an internship for half a year after so in your third semester which is after one year of uni I realized that I actually wanted to be um, more on the side where the designers are, where the real engineers are, rather than just like a cross point or or helping them managing projects. Um, and then I kind of started from almost scratch again my degree and switched to automotive engineering, which is um, mechanical engineering, but already a little bit specialized into the automotive industry and yeah, working around um, actual road cars. Um, and then during my uni, I joined the Formula student, the Formula SIA team. So this is, um, I'm not sure, probably some of the other 
uh, girls who have been on your podcast mentioned that that's uh, there is this uh, race series not a, a typical race series this is a race series where uni students race against each other but it's not only racing the cars it's basically a design and engineering competition as well so you have a, a rule book same as you would have in any other um race series but you build a car develop and build a car from scratch and i was in the design team of our um formula sia team and that was actually my first contact like hands-on contact to motorsport Obviously, I watched Formula One back in the days because it was the time when uh, Michael Schumacher was winning a lot of races. I think most of German families watched Sunday afternoon the Formula One races, so it wasn't that special. But um, yeah, my first contact to motorsport was with our Formula SIM team. And then I kind of made the connection. So like, ah, if I actually have an engineering degree, then I can do what these guys doing there in, on the TV at the Formula One. So that kind of slowly came all together and made it as a goal that I want to work in motorsport. Yeah. So yeah, took a quite quite a while. It was um, probably until when I was um, 21 or 20 that I fell in love with motorsport. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's a hell of a lot of work. And you started, um, well, part of your career started in DTM working as a data and performance engineer. Can you tell us a bit about that role and your experience working in that category? Yes. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough that I uh, got a job straight out of uni with the DTM team of Mercedes. So um, it's with a company they doing all the or most of the racing for Mercedes beside the Formula One, which is called HWA. And I was working obviously as a junior data engineer because I, I never worked in a role like that before in the beginning, but I had really good mentors there. And as we had eight cars racing, so there's a data and performance engineer for each car. So it helped you have your colleagues there doing a similar job on the other car. And I really ensured that I had a big learning curve, especially because it's such a huge team and it's also obviously a company who develops race cars constantly each year we have a new race car they have a huge design department aerodynamic department engine department and i got to see a lot of all the areas and yeah and i don't want to miss that that um career years i had over there i worked there five years um in four years i worked with the same race engineer as well with the same race driver gary paffett um, and then in my last year, I actually um, switched to the GT3 team and I was in the development team where we developed the new GT3 when coming, going away from the SLS, going to the new GT3. And that was a very special year as well because we basically traveled around Europe to different racetracks week by week and tested different components of the car from scratch like we always had and then we had the supplier with us like when um, we tested different brake packages we had the people from Brembo Apache there when we tested dampers the people from Multimatic were there the tire guys it was you got I got a lot of insight in all areas of a race cars with that as well and funny enough that's the race car I'm working on now as a race engineer just on the other side of the world <laughs> that's so cool talk about a throwback so actually, speaking of throwbacks, going back to 2015 is where you started working for Red Bull Holden Racing. I think they were 
called something different back in 2015 maybe uh, i think it was just red bull racing oh, but yeah <laughs> changed it so you started working for red bull racing in supercars can you talk a little bit about how that opportunity came up and what it was like to move over to australia yes um so as i mentioned i worked five years with hwa and then i really felt i wanted to switch um yeah the race series but also maybe the country and it was yeah as i mentioned was my first job out of uni so i really felt like i need to see something different to grow more and gain more experience in another country another race series and i still remember so much the day when i um sent my application to triple i because it was a june which is usually summer in europe in germany but it was like 15 degrees and raining and gray i'm like nah that's it no, that's it. I need to get away here. <laughs> can, can I live this life, <laughs> well, the rest of my life here in Germany? Um, and it was um, just when Triple Eight announced that they expand from two race cars to three. So um, when Shane came on board and Craig was with the Caltex car for the next year, so they just announced it. Uh, and then I thought, oh, they must need a couple more engineers. So I just sent the application to um, InfoAd, I think, Triple Eight Racing also, oh no, Triple, uh, Red Bull Racing, and um, got an email back, I don't know, a couple of days later, and I had a couple of phone calls or Zoom calls with Dado, Ludo, and RD, and three months later, I was in Australia with a job for Red Bull Holden Racing Team. <laughs> How cool. That's awesome. And in 2019, you took on engineering the development series car with Kurt Kostecki and you ended up getting second in the championship that year, which is awesome. What yeah. was that year like for you? Uh, it I enjoyed 2019 a lot. It was a very full on car because it was for me a new role being a race engineer. It was like not just but Super 2 race engineer, which obviously less races than the super the main series as well as there's no fuel or not that much strategy in um, in the race. But um, yeah, it was obviously new, new, needed to acquire new skills and new tasks, as well as I was doing the HRGT as well already. So I was between Super 2 and Asia. Um, and but it was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool working with Kurt. We got along very well. We made really good progress throughout the year. Um, I think we, yeah, we did great work with um, developing or like the setup in the car. We had a lot of pole position. Unfortunately, we don't um, had a lot of uh, wins in the end, but it was enough to get second. And I think if we we had a DNF on the very first race, a technical, not uh, sorry, not a technical, was an operational DNF. We had some um, issue in the park for me after the race. And maybe if he wouldn't have had the DNF started actually the this season with negative points, then we might have even won. But um, yeah, we got second, which is pretty good as well. That's not bad. It's a super competitive category. And now you're in the GT land, the GT side of things, and and doing the international program with Triple Eight. How's that going so far? Yeah, it's um. It's pretty cool. I, I love working with the GT3s, especially the way it's set up um, with 
two drivers so you have a pro driver and an amateur driver so you it's a different challenge than just um engineering the car for one driver which is your pro driver and you just make it perfect to him so with uh, two different drivers on two different levels you need to make sure the amateur driver can drive the car confident and um yeah obviously have good lap times but then it might be very different what actually the pro driver would have liked to have. So it's like this balance. And then also it's not just engineering the car to make a car go fast, also helping the drivers to um, get the most out of it. So it's, um, yeah, I enjoyed the race series itself, but also the GT3 cars. I They have quite a lot of aerodynamics, so um, I love that. <laughs> that kind of throws me back to my time in DTM and in Germany. Um, and obviously now um, being able to race and travel overseas is pretty cool as well. The the tracks we go to in Asia are pretty amazing track. A lot of Formula One tracks, Suzuka, Sepang, Fuji. So um, yeah, it will be a very exciting year. And you were recently just in Sepang and I believe you guys won. Yeah, we won the first race of the, of the season, which is a really good start. That's awesome. And you also just outside of motorsport a bit you also have a love for the outdoors and surfing and you spend a lot of time with your family what does a normal day look like for you a normal day at work <laughs> yes i wake up early come to work work go home go to sleep <laughs> but, um yeah i know what you well yeah i mean yeah that's basically um what it is the days i work are pretty full on yeah it's long days and um um it depends always what happened at my day at work, depending where we are uh, in the race schedule or um, if it's just preparing the car, going to a race or if it's after the race, I would look at data, analyze the data, same as I mentioned just before, it needs to be was the car fast enough, but then also looking, comparing the two drivers, what, um, what they do different, how did the drivers develop over the weekend and um, and yeah, doing tire reports, tire wear, and then preparing already for the next race weekend. And obviously with some of the race checks we're going to in Asia, we have never been there. So this is always a, 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 um, a great challenge because in supercars, in our supercar program, we have data from so many years. We, we can always look or base our setup on something while when we go to a very um, new track where we've never been to it's always a big challenge to roll out a car that is already pretty good so and how do you find balancing being a mum traveling a lot your family life with your pretty intense work schedule yeah um so when i'm when i'm at home or off work, then I'm also shutting my brain off and my phone off. <laughs> um, only if it's, um, I mean, the guys know if it's very urgent, they always can call me or if there's something they need to know before um, yeah, moving forward with the setup. So at the moment, my little boy is only a bit over a year, so I'm not working full time yet. I'm working 80% um, uh, normal week is 80%, so four days a week, and I have Thursday off. With, and a Thursday, I'm just fully with him we do like um, going to swimming and all that um and that also helps me obviously to reset and and um yeah get the right mind space to to um step back and then yeah the next or like fridays i'm fully back at work and 
um, yeah, as I mentioned, it's very actually important to me to have or to enjoy the time I have off. I enjoy with my family and being outside. It gives me a really good reset and recovery from, from long days. And with that obviously comes that um, my partner supports me a lot in, in um, what I'm doing. He's obviously proud, but on the other hand, he needs to cope quite a lot because, um, yeah, when I'm, especially when I'm traveling, it's um, not easy for him, especially because we don't have any family here in Australia. We're both um, born overseas, so all the grandparents are overseas. So it makes it not easier. So I have, um, yeah, he's my support on, on going away and having long days. Otherwise, it would not work, obviously. So did you guys meet overseas or did you meet in Australia or? We met in Australia. It's actually, we met pretty early when I moved to Australia, beginning of 2016. Oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. For you, what has so far been the most memorable moment working in motorsport? Um, yeah, that's, well, there's, yeah, now there's kind of two things. Like I always remember will always remember that when I got the job offer with Travel Aid, like that felt so special to me because I, that's, I really looked into a lot of options, what I can do, where I can go. And a lot of things didn't work out. So once I got the confirmation or the offer that I can come and move to Australia, that, that I still remember that and I was probably flying on a high for a week. <laughs> uh, but in terms of actually in the job, in the career, there's no doubt the championship win 2017 with Jamie Wing Cup in Newcastle is something, the feeling and that I will never forget. Like we were there, we were in with um, Scotty McLaughlin until the last lap and it looked still like during the last lap, we would not have the championship and only after both cars crossed the finish line and they handed another penalty for Scotty um, crashing into Craig. Um, that but when we knew we won the championship and yeah that's also shows some again that you cannot give up until the very end because I think on Saturday when Jamie crashed in the first um, lap we still managed to finish the race but pretty far back and yet yeah, the chances were so so little to win the championship and especially because Scotty was so strong in, in Newcastle and he I think he started on Poland we on second for the second race and it was yeah close to zero the chances that we actually would win the championship on that day and in the end like I said till the last lap or even after the last lap took and yeah we never gave up and yeah it was a pretty good feeling <laughs> I actually was at that race as a production runner and I remember standing, oh, cool. I was standing in front of like the commentary boxes I just like done something and the like Scotty had come over the line enough to do it and I'm just expecting you know Scotty to be doing a burnout so I wasn't watching the broadcast and I'm like oh yeah cool and then next minute Jamie starts doing a burnout and I'm like Something um going on <laughs> bro you didn't win the championship don't celebrate and then next minute you go back and look at the broadcast and scotty's been penalized and i'm like what is happening and i was standing yes. right at the fence where he started doing the burnout i'm so confused i'm so confused but it was like the best moment in our sport for a really long time like to yeah. be involved in that team i was there as a fan as as like a volunteer and i was just like this was so cool yeah uh, that's very it was a very special moment for sure 
And having traveled to a few different countries over the years, what would be probably your favorite place that you've been to? Oh, that's a hard question. Australia. We know it's Australia. <laughs> yes. That. Well, that's my, that's my home now. <laughs> no, I can say for sure, like in channel, like Australia is definitely the place where I see myself long term. And by far, I mean, obviously, it's still nice places all around the world where you can go on holidays. And but Australia for sure is the place where you have the opportunity to work in a high tech industry or high yeah, high end motorsport, obviously, and still have like amazing lifestyle, beautiful nature and amazing people. I think that combination is very rare to find. Like, I mean, I like Brazil, my partner is Brazilian. We go there a lot and I've been actually before I met him there a lot as well. I love the culture, the, the people, the music, but obviously it would be way too dangerous to live there. Oh, if you live there, then you need to deal with it, but you could not have the same lifestyle, the same freedom, what you have um, in Australia. It's very dangerous there. So, and Germany has obviously a lot of good technology, advanced technology, high-end, world-class technology, but then yeah, it rains a lot, there's no ocean. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, Australia is pretty good. We, we won't mm -hmm. deny it, it's pretty good. So do you have a dream car racing event that you'd like to work at? Maybe Le Mans or F1 or something like that. One that you haven't done before that's on the bucket list. Mm, well, before, before I moved to Australia, my dream was to work in Formula One for sure. And yeah, I had interviews, applications with Formula One team. And that was something which was definitely on top of my bucket list. But for then coming here over here, I realized maybe it's not that important to me anymore. Um, I'd rather have um, yeah, the life here with the racing I get to do here. Though, um, yeah, and also all the 24-hour races, they are, when I see them in here, or like last, or this yesterday was the 24-hour limos, and obviously all my colleagues from back in Europe, they're usually in all the big races, 24-hour Nürburgring and so on. Um, but 24 hour races are pretty hard, you know, <laughs> it's a 24 hours, but it's not only these 24 hours, it's, um, the whole, um, weeks leading up to, they are pretty intense. I still, yeah, I still think, um, yeah, a 24 hour race would be on my list to do at one point. It's like a marathon, you know, you, you just want to do it once that you know you can do it. Um, but I would not, I don't think it would be something I want to do every year, a 24 hour race. Yeah, it just... Like, so I love fun. race cars. I love cars. But just the idea of racing nonstop for 24 hours, just kind of like... Just imagine the noise, just for 24 hours. Constant, just nonstop. nonstop. Oh, mm -hmm. I love cars, but maybe not that much. Maybe we found our <laughs> limit. to take it in little, little bouts. <laughs> the 12 hour, the Bathurst 12 hour is enough for me. I get to the end of that day and I'm like, just silence. All I want is just like dead silence, no noise, <laughs> no race cars. If someone talks to me, I'm like, just no. <laughs> um, but like a lot of our other guests, you're also a ambassador for the Girls on Track program. How has this experience been for you being able to inspire the next generation of females coming into the sport? Yeah, um, the Girls on Track program, I'm a big fan of it and I've been involved since the very first event in Australia. Um, for me, as I mentioned before, it was so hard for me to find or see 
that there are actually really cool jobs in the motorsport or in general in the engineering industry. They, I think they're not that much, of, now it's different, but back then they weren't highlighted or not that many role models out there. Obviously there was less social media and all that, but that's why I'm such a supporter of this program. It's amazing. Um, that we can bring these events um, to the girls, show them what we're doing, giving them a hands-on opportunity um, to see what it's like and as well just show them um, what our everyday job is like and, and they're pretty cool jobs in the motorsport industry. It's um, yeah, it's a pretty amazing program what um, Motorsport Australia has there. We have even online um, program, mentoring programs there now and um, it reaches a lot of girls and it's really an really important um, project. Yeah. And you and Jess are also running the Super Cheap Wildcard with Craig Lowndes and De Declan Fraser this year. Tell us a bit about how this all came together and how excited are you? And we love it. We love it. We're <laughs> you and so Jess, that you and Jess are leading it up. It's going to be like so the power cool. duo. It's oh awesome. my God. The women power in that garage. Oh. I'm just going to stand out the back and just absorb it up and be like, this is what, this is what we it's want. Unreal. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, it's just um, came together as, as a um, clear solution to the problem that we need to run another car. And um, yeah, I put my hands up to do the race engineering. I've been working on the wildcard last year already. That was actually my first race back on the track after um, I had the baby. Um, and Chess was in the garage as well, um, on on in the wildcard garage. So it just um, put one and one together. We do another wildcard. So this time we'll be up at the front. <laughs> now I'm very excited and um, yeah, in general, excited to work on the wildcard for Bathurst as well as with chess. I work with her every day, so it's nothing too special for me, but yeah, I can see how um, that we will work very well together. And yeah, that's what we were just about to ask. What's it like to work so closely with Jess Dane? Who was our guest number one? If you haven't Press heard guess. that episode, you can go back and listen to the Girls in the Grid episode with Jess Dane. What's it like to be working so closely with her I know you do it in the day to day, but at our biggest event, at our, you know, the Melbourne Cup of motorsport uh, here in Australia, what's that experience going to be like? And how do you guys prepare for something like that? Um, well, the preparation already starts now. We have next week the first test day with the wild card. So it's, it's kicking on off already, everything, getting the equipment together. And yeah, um, it's a long preparation for, especially for the wildcard, it's usually always a bit out of the norm. So you need to make sure you have everything set up because um, the main series of car who run every other weekend, they they have everything together. They just roll out again, or it's better, okay? <laughs> Might be a bit different, but it, it, most of the stuff is done and set up or you have it from previous year, while the wildcard is usually um, something where you need to dig in a bit deeper and make sure it's all working, you have all the equipment and um, yeah, like I said, I work every day with Chester. For me, it's nothing um, which comes as a surprise or it's a new person I need to adjust with. We, we work together all the time. It's, um, it will be pretty straightforward and yeah, we hope we get a good result there, obviously. <laughs> So you said early on in our chat that you didn't think it was possible to be a female working in motorsport because you didn't see any female representation. Do you remember at what point that changed and you realised that 
this was a viable career path for you and that that you could do it in the reason why why i didn't think about it earlier yet was obviously because there are not that many out there and i didn't even know what exactly means to be a race engineer what what you need to do and what does it involve i mean obviously engineering background makes sense um so it actually only and then it wasn't something about oh there are no women so i don't apply so i felt like saw the job at um, hwa i was good with numbers um and and data and all that i knew that will be something which really excites me and then I applied for it. So then there was not a question anymore, are there women in there or not? So then I'm just like, oh, I want to have that job. Um, yeah, that's how it came along. But yeah, I think it was more the initial, like when you're younger, when you need to decide which area you want to work with. And then not only then deciding which field you want to study, but also what can you do with that study? That was pretty limited that time. I couldn't really see what in them is probably obviously there's other really cool jobs in engineering. So they never were highlighted to me or I also would not have known where to look for them. They were the career advice from council and whatever was pretty straightforward. And yeah, just couldn't see what kind of interesting jobs are out there in the engineering world. And even looking back now, looking around now, now everything has much more exposure to social media. So there would be other job in engineering which would fascinate me as well now but i i couldn't see any of them when i was younger and to make a like a, a easy decision yeah that's what i want to do and would you say there's been a positive change for females in motorsport over the last few years kind of in terms of having more females, representation yeah, more representation yeah. and being inclusive of females yeah uh, there is definitely a change happening and, and even like stuff like your podcast that that's already uh, helps to get the exposure and helps to highlight all the different roles we have and the women who work in in the motorsport industry um it is still an industry which um let's say it's not you don't have a nine to five job a nine to five job in the motorsport industry or most likely not so it's something people need to be dedicated to and need to yeah kind of have it as a passion as well which makes it hard on the other hand to um yeah like i said have family and and it needs to involve a lot around the job and you need to make it happen need to find solutions for how it all would work so that's um something which will never i think be or might be in 20 years a bit different but at the moment this is still something to juggle um yeah i think you had a couple of uh, women on your podcast as well who have family and kids and who needed to step back a bit so it's something i think the motorsport industry can work on as well and i don't actually think we talk about the sacrifices and the commitment needed to work in motorsport yes for from from a male perspective it's all the same but for women we have to have that challenge of at what point do we decide to prioritize family and have so we've got that biological clock kind of ticking don't we <laughs> yeah. where it's like hang on i've actually got to plan my life like right. i want to build my career but but in order yeah. to to yeah. facilitate the other area of my life the family and the children you know at some yeah, point 100%, you right. have to backseat your career mm -hmm. and and switch that that's definitely a barrier of entry as well you probably don't think about it at the start but, but when you exactly. get into it 
you know, when you get into it, you're like, cool, yep, career's going great, great, great. Okay, so I've got to now take a year or two off to, you know, to fulfill an, another area. How did you find that challenge? Yeah, it was really challenging, like you said. It's in trouble. I'd never had a, a female or any, like, engineer or any kind of female who took... Um, who had a baby and had maternity leave and they did like no one knew how that all works so i um yeah said like oh and i want to have obviously need a couple months off and uh, and lucky and not lucky there was a pandemic in any way the some of our racing was restricted a lot of race the numbers who were allowed to travel to the racetrack were restricted so i still could work on on racing itself but obviously not traveling to the track i um, switched also a little bit into the business strategy, ISO certification, quality management as Triple Eight was expanding not only in the racing industry but also in the manufacturing industry, which um, which was pretty interesting and and yeah opened a new field for me. But um, yeah, the racing isn't isn't that easy, and you always chuckle in between. Yes, I want to do that because this is what I love and how much can I do um, while having a family or how much can I then offload to my partner because um, it's not anymore or I'll be away for whatever uh, let's say 10, 10 weekends or 10 weeks the Asia racing is usually a whole week where you're away um, and, and see you then well it's also when I'm going that means he doesn't have days off because he needs to look after the little one 24 7 um, so it's yeah it's a different approach obviously after you have or when you have a family or after you have a baby and you need to be clear with yourself how much you can commit to it and make them that very clear to your um yeah your boss because um yeah otherwise they they like i said most of the the teams or in channel motorsport industry they haven't dealt with women returning to work after having a baby that much, there are no clear policies, no guidelines. So you need to be clear with yourself what you want and then put yourself out there and make sure you get hurt. No, that's really interesting. It's really interesting to hear because we haven't, I guess we haven't really covered the whole having a family and, and still working in the sport. And it's even interesting when you say Triple Eight had never dealt with maternity leave or anything. But would you say that anything needs to change in order for the sport to be more inclusive yeah like i said it's not easy so um i would not say yeah this particular thing needs to be changed but um and in channel motorsport is a job in motorsport is not a nine to five job you knew you know beforehand and obviously this always will put stress on 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 your family or like that's just the nature of it what it is um yeah, it's, it's something, it's a challenging, sometimes challenging times where you need to be clear with yourself what's important and how you can um, work around it or you want to, like, it's it's individual, like some people would might prefer take a full year off or just do a little bit or step back a little bit and some others fu are fully committed. So I think um, motorsport industry needs to give the opportunities to the individual and support him in, in any way and also make it okay that if you want to do less that's okay for a while as well and not just put you on a on the sideline I think um, yeah that could be something which in the future um, 
yeah, look different. How do you work with the mechanics leading up to an event? How's that work from an engineering perspective? Because I've got no idea. I've been around the sport for 10 years and I've got no idea how that works. But do you come up with, you know, what you want the car to be as the base setup at the workshop and then talk to the mechanics and they do it? How's that process work moving in towards a race weekend or even a test? Yeah, yeah, it's um, pretty similar what you just said. Just, um, yeah, basically we look at data from the previous year from that event, that when, especially if you have been to that track, that's pretty handful, handy. And you look at um, what kind of settings worked well there, which settings didn't work, which settings work with kind of the weather, which is predicted, which, um, yeah, or which tire compound we have available. Uh, so basically working through previous year data a lot, looking not only on what we've put on setting, but also the actual data, which is recorded by the car. Um, and then coming up with, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, a base setup based on what from the data looks like will be suitable for that race weekend, um, as well as riding. Um, so yeah, that will be co um, communicated to the mechanics. They get a sheet basically, which has all kind of settings. It's um, in there, they put all the bits on the car the way the race engineer would like to have it. And um, the day before the car gets put into the truck, the car goes on a, on the, we call it a patch. It's like a, a flatbed with um, weight scale. So the car goes, each corner is on a, on a weight scale and um, you measure all the bits on the car from right high to wing angle to, yeah, obviously the weights and um, yeah, all other settings um chassis settings on a car and yeah the race engineer is always involved in that to make sure the car is exactly how he wanted and then it gets put in the truck and you roll out from there so this is your base and you already have some options you play through simulations or look at data which you want to test in the practice sessions and uh, from what you learn in the practice sessions you go into race or qualifying so we put a call out on our social media for questions for Romy Mayer. And it's interesting because we don't talk, to, well, really, there's not a whole lot of female engineers within Australia, especially. So for us to talk about, talk to an engineer and give the opportunity for our listeners to throw a question at you. We got one from Brooke Harris and she says, how can someone wanting to work as an engineer stand out to potential employers? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think a couple of things here, um, you need to be committed and show up, um, like have not only your, your, I mean, engineering, it's very important that you have a uni degree, your, your typical educational path is important, but also think about how would you already have advantage to others? going into that role? Did you do already volunteering within a race team? What kind of even software did you use? What the team uses, even if it's you just download a free trial for a couple of months and just have a look into it and or teach it to younger students at the uni and uh, um, all that. What kind of makes it easy for the company or the employee to put you in the position without having you to guide three months? in that job because as you know we don't have much time <laughs> we just um work a lot and go from race weekend to race weekend it's not a bad life 
lot of race cars, a lot of racetracks. That's true. But our last question, potentially elaborating upon what you just said, what is your advice for someone who wants to get into a similar role? It's our final question that we ask all our guests. What advice do you give out to women that look at you and say, that is exactly what I want to do? Yes, um, obviously you need the, the um, degree to, and the knowledge to engineer. But then it's very important that you reach out and find out what exactly, um, if that's actually something you like to see what the everyday tasks are of the job you want to do and um, how you can prepare yourself for the job as well as, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to people. But if you reach out, make sure it's meaningful to you as well. Don't just reach out, they give you an advice and then put it away rather than put the next steps into it either. Yes, I'm keen to do that, commit to that. So I'll go the next step, what the person who advised, advised. Um, or maybe we think what you, what you want to do if you realize, oh, that's not the direction you want to do. Well, Romy, we really appreciate your time today. We know you're very, very busy at the moment. So, you know, GTs, wildcards, everything that you've got going on. So, no, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and having a chat to us. And it's been really cool to hear all about your background and just the world of experience you have. And yeah, we can't wait to see what you're going to get up to and especially with the wildcards. So, yeah, best of luck with everything. Yeah, thank you so much for the chat. It was a pleasure. And just before you go, what's on for your week? Are you going to Darwin with the, with the crew? Nah, I, I'm not going to Darwin. I'm not in the main series. Well, today we have uh, our, in the afternoon, the Darwin debrief. We sit all together. I'll you obviously sit in that debrief, even though I don't go there. But I'm preparing the wildcard. So we have a test day next week with the wildcard as well. The following week will be two days testing in Tail and Bend with the GT car. So yeah just preparing the cars, um, writing um, run plans for the testing, putting a test program together, communicating with the mechanics, which settings need to be on the car. And yeah, it will be a busy week. It's all <laughs> happening at Triple Eight. <laughs> Always. And a huge thanks for Romy for taking time out of her busy day. She was actually working today because it's not a public holiday in Queensland. She was kitted up in the Triple Eight GT merchandise, mm-hmm. her, her work uniform, and sitting behind her in our interview feed was the Perdek Enduro oh, yeah. Cup, which I pointed out mid-interview. I was like, this is cool. It's really cool. But that's just like, you know, little things, little cool trophies and stuff, and I can imagine that Triple Eight is just a, um, just, you know, pretty much a storage shed for all their trophies. They just have them lying around. Yeah, they just have them. They do. (laughs) No, it's really cool. But And obviously, yeah, she's a really busy chick, so it was good for her to take some time out of her day and have a chat to us. But, Tanea, what have we got coming up this week? Oh, my God, it's Darwin Week. And Darwin Darwin is one of, if not my favourite events ever. I've never been. Priya's never been. And Darwin, the vibe in Darwin is just really hard to explain. Uh, It is so damn cold in Melbourne at the moment. Um, Ridiculously cold, gross weather, and we're going to jump on a plane and four hours later we're going to land in 31, 32 degrees temperatures. I don't think it's going to be pleasant though. I think it's going to be muggy. Oh yeah, it's hot. It's hot as shit. Like it's, you just sweat like crazy, like an Adelaide 500. But it's a nice change. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to fake tan before you go to Darwin because otherwise you look like you've yeah, no. you've been living, Straight you know, under a rock 
for the last eight months. Um, and then Darwin, I don't know how to explain it, but the vibe is just so good. Like everyone is so happy that we're in Darwin. You go out to bars and you go out to bars and pubs every night. The 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 atmosphere in the town, everyone's just so excited and yeah, it's just one of the best. And it's a great prelude into Townsville, which is also another mm-hmm. another great event. Whether there's correlation between the amount of sort of fun times and partying we have in and my kind of hierarchy of favourite events, not quite sure, but it seems to be looking that way. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice that they let us go over to the warm places at this time of year. Exactly. Darwin, Townsville, they've done well. Especially just coming off winter. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. That was that terrible. Place is that was so freaking Horribly cold. cold. And yeah, um, Priya's got a, coming to Darwin for the first time. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Are you excited? Do you I'm think, really excited. Do you think it will live up to the hype? I don't know. I think I've heard Sunday night is going to be a, a really... Should I even <laughs> say this? Sunday night's fun. Yeah, I've heard Sunday night will be really fun. I have a 2am flight though, so that could... Uh... Well, that's the thing. Half the people are leaving at like 2am. Like well, flights are 2am, so you leave at midnight yeah, and go to the airport. Yeah. And then half of them are staying back and going Monday back the morning. next day. That's me. Mm. So I get to party on the Sunday night. Oh, lordy. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm going to make you log out of the Girls on the Grid social channels. Oh, good idea. Because... We, we don't want to... We don't, don't want to see the Insta yeah. stories. You don't need that. So, Tanea taking one for the team. I will be, be sensible because I'll be on a plane. This could be good content, actually. We're looking for sponsors, Priya. We're True. not looking for <laughs> bad know. reps. You never know. And that is it for us this week. Next week's a special one. It's episode 20. I mean, really, episode 25 should be the special one because that's quarter of a century. But, I mean, we're going to take big. it. 20 is big. That's one fifth of a century. I feel like literally two weeks ago we just released our tenth episode, didn't we? But for that episode, we're gonna do a little bit of a Q and A, and we're gonna speak to a guest at the end, a guest that we're really excited to have on. We're not gonna tell you, but let's just say she's a bit of a trailblazer. Bit of a <laughs> trailblazer, and we're gonna chat to her for episode twenty. That's coming up next week. Right here, same platform that you listen to this one on. You'll find us next week, next Monday from about 6am. And we also might have an accompanying video that we're not going to tell you too much about. But stay tuned for that. Check our social channels, Girls on the Grid Pod. And that is it from us. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you next week. You've just listened to another Network R production. Uh.